Recorded live. Welcome to IEQ Radio, the voice of the indoor air quality industry. Yes, the rules have from and welcome to Indoor Air Quality Radio, IAQ Radio for Friday, June 24th, 2011. This week, episode 212 comes to you from Studio C in beautiful McKees Rocks, Pennsylvania. My name is Radio Joe Hughes. Here with me in the studio is the Z-Man, Cliff Slotnick. It's a great day to be with you, Joe. Good day, Cliff. At the controls is our engineer, Austin Stone Cold. Novak. All right, today's segments include the IAQ Radio trivia question, an interview with Mr. Gilbert Lahamadou, uh, the founder and CEO of Net Claims Now. We'll have our halftime, then we'll go to the second half of the interview, then we'll go to our roundup with our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil. Also, uh, we'll like to have people check out our Facebook page at IAQ Radio Program, but before we do anything else, Let's thank our marquee sponsors. Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry. Subscriptions and advertising information are available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop at johndon.com. Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine. Your source for cleaning and maintenance news, visit them at cleanfacts.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IEQ Radio when you inquire about their services and products. All right. To contact the show, you just follow the link on your show invitation or you go to our iaqradio.com website and click on the link that says go to the show. It will take you to the TalkShoe website. And you can either listen with the pro version or the older version of TalkShoe. You can listen live. And, of course, we always have downloads available after the show. You can stream the show right from our homepage of the website, iaqradio.com, or follow the link that says go to the show where you can either stream or download the show. And, of course, all the shows are available on iTunes. Just go to the podcast section and type in IAQ Radio. Don't forget, you can also get ABIH, IICRC, and ACAC continuing education credits. Just email me and request the quiz for the show. It's joe.hughes at iaqtraining.com. Last but not least, please visit that IAQ Training Institute website for the most current dates for the training you trust at iaqtraining.com. Let's turn it over to the Z-Man for today's IAQ Radio trivia question. Thanks, Joe. 
win a cool prize by outcompeting fellow IAQ Radio listeners and being the first person to correctly answer the IAQ Radio trivia question every week. Submitting your answer is easy. Email it to cslotnick at cs.com, or if you're listening to the show live via your computer, you can text in your answer. Congratulations. To Andy Krasowski, Comcast Metal Products, Mars PA, for being the first person to sort through the clues and answer our last trivia question by identifying 1992 as the year in which the International Society of Indoor Air Quality and Climate was founded. The IEQ Radio question for Friday, June 24, 2011, has been sponsored by Cochrane & Associates, the Indoor Air Quality's dedicated marketing and public relations firm. Now for this week's trivia question. Name the CBS Network television game show which ran from 1972 through 2007, making it the longest-running game show in North American television history. Back to you, Joe. All right. Thank you, Cliff. I see Andy's not online, so people actually have a chance to beat Andy this week. And if you do beat Andy, we'll send you one of the new IAQ Radio ball caps that we have here. Okay. And, uh, so let's let's see if somebody can beat Andy this week. Okay. Today's guest is Gilbert Lahamadou. He is the founder and CEO of Net Claims Now. Net Claims Now is the first company to provide insurance billing services for the water damage restoration industry. Although Net Claims Now is the first to bring insurance billing services to the restoration industry, insurance billing services have become standard practice in the medical industry and many others. Like the medical industry, the water damage industry generates billions of dollars a year in revenues. Gil has 30 years of experience operating his own water damage restoration business. And he's got an interesting background. I thought I'd, I'd bring this up. He started in the industry within a year of graduating high school cleaning carpets. He said he fell in love with the whole concept of being on the road, meeting new people, not being in, you know, trapped in an office, and being on commission. The pay wasn't too bad. So at that time, he set a goal to start his own cleaning business by the time he was 23. He started saving for a van, took a welding class at night, tried to learn how to weld. His class project was to build a truck mount unit. He did it. He built a 120-gallon waste tank, 75-gallon fresh water, a number four blower, and a 500 PSI water pump. He was in business going from one truck to eight trucks within two years, and the rest is history. Gil has personally handled, negotiated, and settled thousands of water loss claims throughout his career in the restoration industry, and now he has founded a unique company that provides the same services for disaster restoration companies across the country. Let's uh, talk to Gil. Let's see if we've got him on the line. We've got some music. Good clue, isn't it? <laughs> John already got the question. We've already got an answer. We got somebody, somebody beat Andy. Hello, Gil. How are you? Gentlemen, how are you doing today? Great, great. Right, thanks for joining us. Um, you know, it was interesting. We, I, I didn't know anything about net claims now. We ended up talking, I don't know, maybe a month or less ago now. And uh, Clip and I looked over the website, talked to a few people, and thought, you know, this is a great topic for IAQ Radio, and uh, we're, we're looking forward to having you uh, discuss it here with us today. Thanks. Uh, Again, thank you for having us on today. 
Oh, our pleasure. Now, tell us a little bit. Um, maybe you could just give us a little more about your water damage restoration experience. I mean, were you uh, you started in carpet cleaning? How long did it take before you got into doing actual water damage restoration work? Well, you know, it's like most uh, carpet cleaning businesses, even today, where the the next level, going to your next level of business is um, working within the uh, water restoration and uh, drying buildings. And um, what I found amazing with that is that the uh, the, the pay was uh, far better than uh, working with carpet cleaning. And um, But again, it's just a matter of, my goal was to position my business and take it to the next level. All right, let's go. Cliff, do you want to Sure. Yeah. Gil, who are you trying to assist? Restoration contractors who are trying to obtain the maximum fair price for the restoration service or insurance companies who are trying to control their costs and minimize settlement payments. So whose side are you on, either the contractor side or the insurance company side? No, we're clearly on the side of the contractor. Um, being in that position again, as I mentioned for you, for uh, you know, growing my business, being in the industry for so many years, you know, what I realize is that there's a, a real disconnect in our industry in how to get paid, how to get paid fairly, and of course, how to get paid in a uh, reasonable amount of time. And it seemed like the common thread here was having the best possible documentation to present to the adjuster. Um, in, in, in a matter of getting paid. So again, clearly we're worth the, working with the uh, restoration contractors and uh, our goal is to get them paid what they're truly worth. You know, I'm curious, Gil, what, I assume this was your idea, you're the founder, but maybe I shouldn't make that assumption first. Was this your idea? This was my idea and uh, luckily for me, I was able to bring the concept uh, to folks that, um, that I consider mentors in other industries. And um, once I shared to them the the need for it in the industry and that simply doesn't exist, um, they were very encouraging for me to move forward to put this together. I'm curious, what, I guess, uh, you know, you, was there some light bulb that went on? What made you think of this? Or was it just something that developed over time? You realized that, you know, this is something that's needed in the industry. Well, you know, it just hands on. I had, I had, uh, folks in the industry that um, I, I were friends with that had you know smaller companies that they were struggling constantly struggling with getting paid and what it came down to was I was challenging them to show me what it, what exactly was it that you submitted for payment how did you present your claim and you know even to this day and age there's still folks out there that are handwriting invoices without providing documentation to the adjusters and that clearly opens up. Um, showing the adjuster their hand of being vulnerable and obviously selling for less than what they're worth. You know, when when we were researching your site, netclaimsnow.com, for the show, I was impressed with the amount of work that had appeared to have gone on, you know, gone into it. Um, I wasn't, you know, as not, not being a client, I wasn't able to go into as much detail as others then. We'll discuss the type of detail you get into here in a moment, but I'm curious, what kind of effort did it take? Did you have to get some investors? Was it a big, you know, was it a lot of money that you had to put out? I don't need to know the exact amount, but can you give us a ballpark idea of the type of work you had to put into getting this concept up and running? Sure. Um, about 18 months. Uh, it took us 18 months to get today to where we are today. And when I say that, I brought it to the to the furthest point that I can take it 
without bringing in additional help, and then, of course, bringing in staffing, which meant funding it further. And as I mentioned to you earlier, you know, I have, uh, I consider mentors in other industries that have done well for themselves. And after sitting them down, um, we were able to structure uh, an opportunity for myself to have just just the right amount of backing, uh, even when it comes to personality and chemistry within the business. Um, I'm able to run the business because, again, clearly I'm the one connected to the industry. But it, it is a group effort, and it, a lot of work has gone into this. Um, as you mentioned, the, you know the the website presence, and then um, that's only a fraction of what really happens. Everything else really happens behind the scenes with the virtual office and the members being able to upload their documentation, having their own account manager. So again, a lot of work has gone into this. You know, if I was a water damage restoration firm, what sort of information is, do I have to submit to you so that you can? help me put the paperwork package together. Well, you know, part of uh, becoming a Net Claims Now member is training, and you go through a training process that um, we generally can get it done within less than two hours without interruption, and uh, we do a go-to-meeting type of scenario. And the training includes everything that you need uh, to run your water restoration claims through the Net Claims Now virtual office. So with that being said, as you were to create a water loss claim in your virtual office, you're prompted at that point to upload certain photos and you're taught what photos of interest that we're looking for that helps us to create your claim packet. Um, with that being said, within your virtual office, you're also provided a document center, which every uh, paper, all the paperwork that you would need to properly document your water loss claim is, is available to you in virtual office, and it's personalized to your company. So your scope sheets have your name on it. Your service contract has your name on it. So again, there's as long as you follow our process, then we're able to provide you and perform on our back end by giving you your, the, the claims presentation as promised. You know, Gil, you mentioned something that caught my attention there because I, I teach courses around the country, and one of the most common questions I get from people doing I do indoor environmental quality consulting and contracting and a lot of mold remediation because that's been a hot topic. And one of the questions they commonly ask is, do I have a, a source for contract documents? I give them a couple of my thoughts on where they can get contract documents, but I'm, I'm curious that you mentioned a service, I think you said called it a service contract. Is that the type of contract document? And do you recommend that your people using your service use a specific form or do they have to get it customized for their part of the country? How do you handle that? Well, again, we, 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 we provide them with um, a, a document that they can use to have uh, signed the service contract, the service agreement. We've heard it called a million different things. Um, our document has in it everything that we feel is necessary to help streamline the payment uh, for the member. So such as an assignment of benefits, a direction to pay, you know, all of these terms that we've heard through the years. And again, our documents, including our scope sheets, we consider them to be a living document. Um, they're, they're constantly changing as we're able to improve upon them. And one of the nice things that we do offer to our members is that we offer them to share what they're using presently because, again, we're always looking to be able to create the best possible document moving forward. Gil, from what sources do you develop your pricing and costing information? 
Well, I'm glad you brought that up because the nice thing is is that as an industry, we, as a default mechanism, if you will, we, we have Xactimate. Xactimate is recognized around the country. Um, and what we feel is that after putting many, many, many hours into that uh, product is that because there are updates in pricing that we feel that it's the best common ground to work off of. So in our concept, what we do is we, we work within the rules of the game. However, what we add to it is the, the hidden line items that the insurance adjusters um, just simply don't advertise. There, there's plenty of uh, line items in Xactimate that unless you know what you're looking for, you'll never find them. But at the end of the day, the restoration contractor is entitled to those uh, line items, which allows us then to raise the profitability of that invoice. Gil, can you give us one or two examples of line items that you find in your experience people commonly miss that they're leaving money on the table? Um, I can. Uh, again, I don't want to get too elaborate. I don't mind sharing the soup, but I don't want to really talk about the recipe. But sure. <laughs> I understand. With that, with, with that being said, um, you know, a service call, uh, whether it's a day call or an after-hours call, um, restoration contractors are entitled to charge for the time that it takes them to leave the um, their office, their shop, and drive time. Because, you know, as a business owner, you know, my goal is to make sure that my company is as profitable um, as possible. And the reality of it is, is it, it might take an hour to get to the job site. Now I have two men in a truck, and they expect to be paid. So with that being said, um, part of our scope sheet allows, out, allows us to draw out those questions and collect that, that information from our members so we can bill accordingly for them. Uh, let me just uh, back up a moment. You talked a little bit about the process, and, and I, I somewhat understand the process. I'm, I don't do insurance billing, so let me just make sure that for those of listeners that are on the same page as me, that they understand how this works. So you then, um, they go to your website, they get the training, they learn what kind of documentation you need, okay? They then supply that documentation in their own, I guess, little virtual work office on your site. That then goes to your people. They then generate the invoice, and then the client is able to look at that invoice and either approve it or send an email back stating that they think something needs changed or they need to add something or subtract something. Is that kind of an overview, and what did I miss that is important to your people? There's, there's, all, there's quite a bit in between, but um, to sum it up, once the documentation is completed and submitted through virtual office, the member essentially clicks a button that says create my invoice, and that automatically alerts the account manager to then start the process, and then we will provide the member their finished product within 24 hours of submitting the claim to us. And then at that point in time, once we upload their claims packet back to their virtual office, the system immediately sends them an email alert to view the claim. Once they open that claim for review, they have two options. Either they accept it or decline it. If they decline it, a text box opens up. They can explain uh, in detail what they would like to have changed, hit resubmit it, and it goes back to the account manager. Um, 
once they approve the invoice, then it automatically leaves that status and is moved to their accounts receivables file within virtual office. And then from there, they can track their payments. They can download it, print it, save it, fax it, what have you. But again, it gives the the member an opportunity to have a, an office away from the office online. And to add to that, just a quick story I shared with me just the other day. We had a, one of our members was uh, playing golf late Friday afternoon, and they had an adjuster call and said, hey, if you can give me this invoice over in the next 20 minutes, I'll get a check in the mail to you. He literally hung up using his iPhone and logged into his virtual office and uh, copied and attached it to an email. And within five or whatever it was, 10 minutes, the adjuster had that invoice in his inbox and my um, member kept playing golf. <laughs> That's a nice nice feature there. Uh, Cliff, <laughs> did you want to? Yeah, Gil, how does your firm get compensated for the service that you provide? Do you get a flat fee for the service? Do you get a percentage of each invoice? How do you work with your clients? Okay, that's a great question. Um, what we found is the best way to do it is to have an anticipated cost of business. Um, and again, going back to faulting as a business owner, you know, fixed costs are, are the best way to go. Um, what we have is we have a startup fee of 329 which allows us to to build out your virtual office and also covers the training. Um, now, I want to add to that. Um, right now, we have we have waived that fee um, until the end of next month, until the end of July. And um, the startup is $99. And essentially what that is, is that is your monthly virtual office fee. And that is um, – the $99 for the virtual office um, is your upkeep, your maintenance, and also the upkeep on your documents as we continue to improve on documents and, and recreating those documents for you. Now, the actual fee for the invoicing is $69.95 for residential and $109.95 for commercial. And then we've just also recently launched, uh, we're now providing, due to popular demand, reconstruction invoices as well. You know, Gil, I mentioned uh, mold remediation, and I'm curious what other types of, you know, we're we're talking water damage. I'm sure you you probably also do fire restoration. What other types of work? I mean, do you have a a program in place for people who do mold remediation, for instance? We we do. And, um, again, it just comes down to uh, choosing the scope sheet in your virtual office that best reflects the services that you provided. And, um, and as you and I had mentioned early, uh, you had mentioned to me about the, uh, the mold, and I you know, made the comment that, you know, especially in this day and age when the insurance companies are buckling down and, and um, are no longer making the mold coverage um, as easy to get any longer, that really what it comes down to is, you know, helping to educate um, our members that, you know, we can still help you to, to bill for the mold work, but simply we might want to present it in a different manner, maybe classify the loss and, and, and work under those guidelines, you know, versus trying to get payment on a mold loss when simply there's just not a mold endorsement. You know, that's always, that drives me crazy. I mean, mold is, wouldn't be growing unless there was Category 3 water damage somewhere no, in the house, to some degree. No, just water. Any, well, yeah, but it's... Yeah, well, water is... But, any, but anything that's been there for a long enough period of time, 
that you had mold growth, it seems to me that you would have a Category 3 issue. It had been there for probably a week or longer. Yeah, but, well, I don't want to argue the, the Category 3. Right, right. What happens is, think about this just for a minute. Please. Okay, you have an aquarium yep. that has water in it for a long time, and the only sewage it has in it is from the goldfish that's kind of swimming around in the aquarium. I, I think that that was a chart created by IICRC that a fresh water loss becomes category three after seven days. And I just, I don't believe it now. And I didn't believe it. Well, I understand. But with that being the industry standard, it's kind of like, well, you got to use what's there. I mean, it's, it's still within, and well, this is something okay. Cliff and I could talk about on another show. <laughs> <laughs> We don't agree on anything. <laughs> well, you know, it keeps keeps everything interesting, right? That's right, right, right. right. Hey, keeps interesting. Now, let me ask you another follow-up on the other types of services. Do you have plans to expand into other industry segments? Uh, you know, you talked about reconstruction. We talked about mold remediation. Do you have any other plans, or is this, you know, keeping you busy enough for right now? Well, this is definitely keeping us busy right now um, as, as we're having, um, you know, we're just having great results from this. We're, we're, we're really in, in touch or in tune with our members because, you know, we want them to be successful and obviously we want to be successful, but there's, 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 there's other industries that I believe can use this type of services. As, as you mentioned in the opening, you know, the, the medical industry has been using uh, third-party billing for years and years because, it allows for the doctor to focus on what's important, and that's to treat his patients without the distraction of having to negotiate with adjusters. And uh, you know, with that being said, any any company with that with with at any industry that handles billing, I believe, can use um, our services or similar as we uh, if we decide to go, go that route. Now, with respect to, I'm curious about something else. I didn't really discuss this angle with you, but it's something I had thought about uh, on my way in today when I was driving in. I'm thinking to myself, okay, one of the things you guys do is you help make sure that people don't leave money on the table and on the contractor side. Similar in, in a way, I think, to the way, at least as I understand it, some public adjusters work in that they, they work for the homeowner, but they try to make sure there's not money being left on the table as well. Then... The other issue that I think both contractors and homeowners run into is when there is a dispute over the invoice or the amount of money owed to make the proper uh, restorations, do you then assist the, the clients with making sure that they have some, you know, a, a mechanism for disputing that claim and, and following up and trying to get their money collected? You know, we do, and we feel that that really starts with education, educating the member that, first and foremost, there's always value in negotiations. But part of the training that they receive is that, you know, let's let's first determine who we're, who we're talking with. You know, is that adjuster empowered to, to write a check? You know, does he have check-writing authority? Because if he doesn't, then, you know, no matter what, agreement you make, you know, you might be shooting yourself in the foot by just giving that money away. So again, it really goes back to the relationship again. Um, 
I'm a firm believer in the relationships. And if you have a relationship with an adjuster that's referring you three or four water losses a month, you know, do whatever it takes to protect that relationship. And that goes back to communicating with us what your agreed billings are. Now, rules of engagement. You know, I believe in, you know, teaching the members the rules of engagement, how to hold the line professionally, but then still essentially get what you're asking for. And there, there's a lot of things that are, that are available to our members that uh, we, uh, we share with them uh, because at the end of the day, you know, we can create a bulletproof invoice, but if they don't know how to properly negotiate what they're entitled to, then, you know, they, they remain at a disadvantage. You know, I just want to add one thing. Um, I think there's a, a dramatic difference between what Gill's service does and what a public adjuster does. Sure. I didn't mean to imply there wasn't. I mean, and I just want to comment. You know, a public adjuster is really the equalizer between the policyholder and the insurance professional that represents the insurance company, right. not not the policyholder. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there are other issues beyond what Gill's invoicing. You know, there are additional living expenses. Uh, you know, there's certain terminology you know, that, that, you know, Gill's mentioned that can get you paid. There's certain terminology that can get you excluded. Yeah, I guess I was thinking of it more along the lines of, you know, a single restoration company against a big insurance company is an unfair fight, just like a single homeowner against a big insurance company is a, an unfair fight. And I'm just wondering if there's some way that with this group of people you're putting together now, Gil, if you don't have some more leverage in some way with some of these larger companies they're trying to deal with. I'm not saying that's something that you have in place now or that you've thought about, but it was something I was thinking about on my way in. Right. Again, I think it just comes down to education. Um, you know, the simple fact is that if you meet an adjuster on the loss, um, and if you simply just agree on the scope of work, because at the end of the day, if, if, you're, if you're billing the line item as he's expecting to see the line item per the agreed pricing structure, then essentially what it comes down to, the only difference is, is there's a disconnect in the scope of work. So I really encourage our members to have that conversation with the adjuster as early as possible. Now, granted, 3 o'clock in the morning on Sunday, you're not going to find the adjuster, <laughs> <laughs> although he's usually willing to play armchair quarterback the next day. You know, so send him an email. Hey, you know, so Bob, from what I understand, you've agreed for us to remove the carpeting throughout the house because of staining, and we're going to remove drywall three feet up. If you have it in writing and he responds back, you know, two, two weeks later when you're expecting your check in the mail and there's a hiccup somewhere down the line because the desk adjuster didn't agree with you, well, you can say, well, your field adjuster did. So, again, it goes back to what we are wanting to, to do each member at a time is create a culture that documentation is everything. And at the end of the day, we're actually getting our members to do the documentation properly. We're getting them, we're getting them paid to document the loss. And that's huge. Documentation's everything. From what I, I from what I hear from all my clients, they've got to make sure they document. Gil, this has been an interesting first half. We've got to thank our sponsors here. Take a short break, and we'll be right back. Yeah, please. Thank, thank you.
Our association sponsors are the National Air Duct Cleaners Association, NADCA, is the leading authority for information on HVAC inspection, cleaning, and restoration. Visit NADCA at www.nadca.com. The Indoor Air Quality Association, a nonprofit, multidisciplinary organization dedicated to promoting the exchange of indoor environmental information through education and research. Visit them at iaqa.org. And thanks to our advertisers, Gray Wolf Sensing Solutions, who use advanced sensor software technology and embedded computers to provide superior environmental test instrumentation. Visit them at wolfsense.com. Legends Environmental Insurance Services, the experts in insurance for environmental and consultants and contractors for over 20 years. Learn about them at legends-enviro.com. And, of course, our marquee sponsors, Indoor Environment Connections, the newspaper for the IAQ industry, subscriptions, and advertising information available at ieconnections.com. John Don Products, where restoration and abatement contractors shop. Visit them at johndon, J-O-N-D-O-N.com. And, of course, Clean Facts and Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, your source for cleaning and maintenance news. Visit them at cleanfactswithanx.com and cmmonline.com. Please be sure to thank our sponsors for their support of IQ Radio when you inquire about their products and services. All right, we're back with our guest, Gil Lahamadou. We've got to unmute you, though, first, Gil. There we go. Do we have you back on the line? All right. Okay, fellas, I'm back. I'm going to turn it back over to Cliff, and he's got the next question for you here. Sure. Um, Were you able to utilize any architecture that was, you know, previously used in, you know, perhaps medical billing or auto body shop billing, you know, other industries that also deal with insurance companies on a routine basis, or did you have to just start from scratch and just develop everything? Well, I, you know, it's funny you say that because I did visit quite a few of the medical billing uh, websites just to try to get the feel of what their messages were and what I found to be um, uh, kind of, I guess you would say, funny because I'm looking for information that wasn't there. But their message was, you know, we do it better. Uh, you know, so I'm going back to the, I'm, I'm sitting in my table chair saying, well, nobody's doing this, so I need to kind of start from scratch. But the medical billing, from what I understand, is, is strictly based on certain codes. And, um, and again, not, not that I'm an expert in that field by any means. So I had to take everything that I knew from this industry and what my personal challenges were and come up with the documents that made it streamline or a no-brainer for somebody in California to be able to display to us what his water loss was and for us to bill it accordingly. So I had my own challenges in starting from scratch and creating everything that we needed to build this, to build the business. Gil, what, what type of people do you have assisting you back in the office? I mean, how do you find these folks? Do they have a water damage background or do they, you know, do you have clerical type people who are then over, you know, watched over by someone else? How do you handle this on a personnel basis? Well, the folks that are working as account managers have um, either the restoration background or they are um, licensed adjusters. And, you know, for the obvious reasons is that, you know, 
at our at net claims now the the concept is is a beautiful concept because we have the folks that are creating your invoicing are either certified and have done time in the field drawing buildings so they already understand the challenges that you have as a business owner or as a technician and on the flip side of that we have adjusters um, at net claims now that uh, show us that other side and you know it's, it's funny I've had relationships with adjusters for many years and um, the closer you get to adjusters, the more they'll tell you about what's going on on the other side of that fence. And um, so we're able to leverage those, um, that staff with those types of experiences to, um, to represent our members and, and build them the, the, the perfect claims presentation. Cliff, let me turn it over to you. Okay. Um, do your invoices contain a significant amount of boilerplate information, which you know just kind of goes over the heads of adjusters? You know, they, they kind of ignore it, or is there a lot of customization involved? Well, it, there's it's it's definitely a custom piece, if you will, because it's all proprietary in nature. I mean, we have we have members that look at their first invoice and they're blown away by it. And they just can't wait to submit it because, you know, they're not used to having the, the documentation laid out. They're not used to having somebody outside of their own company assisting them or, or helping them or questioning or, ch or challenging them as a learning process. So when, when it's, you know, essentially, you know, when it's said and done, our paperwork and documentation generally is something that the adjuster is not used to seeing, and especially from the client that we have now trained and we're assisting them. Would you agree with this description? You're kind of a profitability coach. I would not a doubt because um, one of the services we're going to be providing in the very near future is that we're going to be doing you know two to three minute videos where we're going to talk about a certain piece of equipment. How does that equipment, you know, work on the law site? How do you utilize it to their advantage and how to, you know, we, we talk about the rate of return on that investment. And I mean, for an instance, I can take a wall drying unit um, without giving away a name. And within a three day, three day drying uh, project, I can essentially show the member how they can pay for that equipment on the first trip in. And then, you know, utilizing that piece of equipment on a water loss and you're, you know, it takes a couple pieces of equipment on one water loss and you can significantly increase that invoice up to 20 to 30%. And it's still just justified and paid without any pushback by the adjuster. You know, Gil, I'm, I'm curious right now, I, I, I'm not sure how long has the service been up and running? We have been up servicing on a um, um, like on a beta program for about six months now. But now, in recent um, since April, we rolled the product out in April at the convention, uh, the uh, Connections Convention in Clearwater. Okay, and can you tell us a little bit about the current makeup of your clientele? Is it all small business guys? Do you have some mix of a uh, few bigger people or? How, who does it work best for? Does it, do you feel it should work for anybody? It actually works for anybody because we have the, the one and two truck operations that 
are working out of their home. Perhaps their wife is doing the paperwork after hours. And we're hearing from a lot of wives that we've definitely changed their life <laughs> because they're no, yeah, they're no longer trying to, you know, struggle to, you know, raise the kids and, and, and write a water loss invoice. And, <laughs> and uh, right, and they're no longer seeing the challenges and the pushback from the insurance adjuster. So that's one side of it. Now, we're also hearing and seeing from the, the ten truck operations, and we have one um, one client specifically that he joined because he heard great things. Um, not that he was skeptical, but he joined, and we ran his losses for two months. And during that time, he had his billing department run the same loss using his process, and. Um, we came up at, within two months. We earned him an additional twenty thousand dollars in collections. So I'm not talking about just billing paper. We're talking about payments deposited in his bank of twenty thousand dollars additional in two months. And uh, needless to say, he reported that back to me. You know, very excited. And um, he no longer has a billing department on property. I can tell you that. And um, he's encouraged us now to um, meet with his corporate office. So with that being said, we are in talks now with uh, two large franchise operations on a national level to looking at us as their billing company. Great. That's good. Good for you, uh, Cliff. Yeah, from ex- you know, my personal experience, I've, I've written an estimate or two over the years, uh, I learned that providing more detailed information in an invoice resulted in justification uh, of a higher price. Does your service provide an opportunity for the contractor to, uh, you know, put in paragraphs of explanation or perhaps have a charge that might not be included in Xactimate that, you know, something that he wants to charge for? But, you know, as you know, in some cases, less is best, and that can still hold true with the restoration industry. And what we have found is that our process by which creating a cover letter that, is, that, that connects to the invoice and then the back of the invoice, we have your photographs. What we've gone is a step further is we actually take and copy and paste the live scope sheets that is being created in the field to include all of their dry standards and their dry logs and all of their equipment readings to the invoice, and essentially what we're able to accomplish is that when the adjuster receives the documentation, we have left you know, no opportunity for the adjuster to say, I need you to send me such and such. And what I've heard you know, time and time again from restoration contractors around the country, that's always a default that the adjuster can hold up their payment because now they've got to go back and research and send some additional photos or some additional documentation. So we feel that the, the documentation claims package that we're sending is, um, is, is exactly what the insurance adjusters are looking for. And the proof in that is that we're, we're, we're not seeing a lot of pushback from the insurance uh, adjusters and our clients are getting paid. You know, Gil, I'm curious. I'm sure you have some clients that didn't provide that type of information in the past, and maybe they're a little reluctant to take the extra effort to provide that type of information. Now, how do you handle that type of situation if it occurs? Well, and it, and it can occur, and, and, and it has occurred. And part of their training, it starts with creating that culture that, you know, you are the industry professional. 
And by you being here today in training shows that you're dedicated to your company. And the only way that we can perform on our end is that you have to perform first by providing certain um, certain documents and certain documentation. So, and we've had a couple, you know, little rocky starts here and there with with some of the clients because again, it, it takes time to 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 create that environment um, to where they're being held accountable. And that's the thing about what we're doing. We're dealing with business owners, and we're dealing with guys that um, generally don't have anybody they have to answer to. So now you're taking them and putting them in a different environment where. If that documentation is not correct going in, we have a responsibility to decline it and send it back to the member and ask them to correct that problem. But again, the end result is is that they're more profitable. So it only happens maybe once or twice, but we're we're very kind with that information because it's all about the continuing training and relationship that we have with our members. You know, Gil, some insurance companies have a deserved reputation for paying claims fairly or perhaps even generously, and some insurance companies just have a terrible reputation of just beating up the contractors and uh, you know, not paying claims fairly. Uh, how have the insurance companies that are, are known to be tough, known to be cheap, uh, responded to your process? Well, it, it kind of well, it does go back to the documentation as we mentioned, but it also goes back to a document that is built into every service contract that a net claims now member will present to their client, and that is an assignment of benefits. And essentially, what the assignment of benefits allows is the contractor to to wear the shoes of the policy holder, and it's a um, I want to say that it's honored in about 49 of the 50 states. So it's a very strong document. So imagine then at that point where if you require an adjuster to meet you at a loss to to discuss your findings or to go over the dry logs, that insurance adjuster by law has to you know acknowledge that you are now the policyholder. Now I want to be very careful because we're kind of getting into some you know legal issues and. You know, as the fine print, they say, I'm not an attorney and I'm not an adjuster. I can only advise. With that documentation in hand, going back to teaching the member what they can and can't say or what they shouldn't say, it's a little bit of leverage, and, and that's how we present it. So for the adjusters that might play hardball, the insurance companies that have that reputation, in training, part of the rules of engagement is that we, we teach our members to, you know, obviously continue a very professional attitude towards their collection efforts, hold the line. But at the end of the day, we just encourage the adjuster to pay our members what they feel that they're um, entitled to. And then once they've received that payment, um, beyond that, it's up to the member to, if they want to consult with their attorney for any further action that they might be uh, available to take. Gil, I've got a text question from a listener here, and it's let me kind of reword it. Do you do anything now for consultants or people who do assessing of indoor environmental quality issues, water damage issues? And if not, do you have any plans for in the future? You know, we we don't have a a document in hand that would fit um, an assessment uh, company or contractor. But essentially what it comes down to is, is is what they need to understand with the billing is that, you know, they would be entitled most likely to an hourly rate. 
And really what it comes down to then is, is the insured entitled to testing and consulting fees within the policy. So it's not very clear cut as an HO3 policy would allow for structural drawing. And so I would just really have to say at this point in time, there, 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 there is opportunity, but I'm just not sure with what a consulting company would do for a, for a policyholder if we would be the best fit for them right now. Okay. Sure. You know, Joe, you had mentioned that you're having some negotiations and discussions with various uh, large franchising companies in, in the restoration field. And, and to me, that brings up the subject of preferred contractor pricing. You know, what happens is some insurance companies actually have uh, required pricing schedules that are agreed upon. Uh, how does your system deal with that? Our system can be uh, tailored or customized to any of our members' needs, and you know, part of our process of enrolling the, um, the restoration contractor is getting to know what their needs are, and and kind of build a profile. So again, we encourage those relationships, you know, if they're in place, and we will simply bill according to what their needs are. Because at the end of the day, you know, it's not just the money that we can help to increase your profitability on your invoice. It's also clearly the convenience factor. Um, our member will spend probably about 15 to 20 minutes total in front of their computer for the life of the claim. And again, that might be, you know, 15, or, or just a few minutes in the evening just uploading one or two photos as the progression of drawing takes place. So, you know, keeping that in mind, it's about the relationship, it's about the claims presentation, not just the, the, the available profitability uh, that's available to the member. Yeah, I've got a, another quick text and then we'll go to a roundup. It's about Florida State-run citizens insurance. I'm not sure what the question is. It just says, what about Florida State-run citizens insurance? Is that, I think it came in when we were talking about uh, I can't remember. It just came in a couple about a minute ago when we were discussing. I can't remember to be honest with you, Cliff. Do you remember? Okay, Gil. Any comment on the Florida Citizens Insurance? Sure, certainly, I, I do. Um, again, going back, and I can only speak from experience, is the fact of the matter is that you're still dealing with a policy that the homeowner has purchased. So, therefore, going back to the assignment of benefits clause. You, though, though that clause is still very enforceable. So what it comes down to is that whether the adjuster agrees with the invoice, you know, you simply smile, accept the payment, and then you can discuss with your attorney how you want to go further. Now, clearly, I want to make clear on this. The, the, the enforcement of the assignment of benefits clause is kind of a niche market with attorneys. Either you understand it, and, you're, and you can enforce it, or you don't quite understand it, and they're researching it back with you, you really want to partner with an attorney that understands it, because those are the attorneys that are going to get you paid a lot faster. Um, now, one thing I do want to mention, when you mention citizens, just because it's um, part of the state of Florida, as long as it's not a forced place policy, then your assignment of benefits are enforceable. But when you get into foreclosures and bank-owned properties, uh, restoration contractors need to be very, very careful with those types of losses. 
Okay. Well, thank you for that. And it was, it did come in during the discussion of assignment of benefits. So you, you were right on it, Gil. Hey, let's go to what we call a roundup. We're going to bring in our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Weil, to say hello, see if he has any comments. And we're going to wrap things up. Hang on one moment, Gil. Thank you. Okay, let's unmute Dr. Wow here. Hello, Dieter. What well, we got music first, don't we? Uh oh. We're having trouble with the button. Let me try it. There we go. Boom, 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 boom. I can do it all. All right. <laughs> Hello, Dieter. <laughs> was the wrong key, but uh, <laughs> our engineer is asleep at the wheel. <laughs> yeah, well, that happens. All right. Uh, anyway, the class doesn't work, do he? You know what fix. is surprising to me, <clears throat> and I, I, I have nothing against Gil whatsoever. It basically. He is providing a service that, under normal circumstances, should never, ever be on the table. Uh, and I go through the same thing in my business with billing. You know, I, uh, in fact, I'm going to call Gil. Maybe <laughs> <laughs> he's going to take care of me. Yeah, I have a couple of clients who haven't paid me in over a year, March of 2010, or thereabouts. And a couple of others, I told them, you know, adios, bye-bye. I don't want to work with you anymore. And uh, the minute I told them, I said, I need a retainer, they hung up on me. <laughs> <laughs> but what is interesting to me is uh, the insurance companies, they should kind of provide the service that Gil is uh, 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 doing. And from what I heard about the service fees, that is quite reasonable, you know, to do something like that. So uh, that that surprises me um, that that isn't on the table from them right away and so to speak for free after you pay your insurance uh, uh, premiums. So you know, that, I bet the, that is I bet. interesting to me. And again, my good friend Andy won again. <laughs> <laughs> Dear, I'll bet the insurance companies would be happy to write the the yeah. the um, the bill up, but it wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't be getting what you wanted out of it, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah doing a service when the customer determines the the price and value of it. Uh, I don't know. And Gil, any comments? Yeah, I just, um, you know, again, along those lines, you know, here's another um, fact, if you will, um, that it's required by most state laws that an insurance company has to write their own estimate of repairs. So but what I do see is that, you know, most insurance adjusters will wait for the, the mitigation contractor to send in his either invoice for services rendered or an estimate for rebuild, and then that's when they will take and either accept it and cut you a check because it's Friday at 3 o'clock and they don't want to do any more work, <laughs> or they have somebody watching over them and they have to literally write and type out their own estimate. So really what it comes down to is just, you know, 
the documentation. If you can write a better invoice, then chances are the insurance adjuster does not want to sit down and try to duplicate what you've already created. So once again, Dieter, you have a great point. <laughs> As always, even on water damage restoration, I know uh, well, it's not I, your, your cup of tea. But I don't, I don't even think that that service is specific to water damage. You know, it could be for anything. Absolutely, absolutely. Or you know, used car sales, or yeah. Well, auto auto mechanics that are doing repairs on yeah, vehicles, it, I'm it, sure it, that's. Windows and cutting grass. <laughs> Anybody that has to deal with insurance, obviously, for sure. Uh, Cliff, I yeah. know you want to ask one more. And well, then it's I'll... probably more of a comment as opposed to a question. Okay. You know, I, you know, I think we've confirmed that Gill and his company are profitability coaches, uh, that they're marriage counselors because they make uh, <laughs> wives <laughs> happy. Right. And, and I guess one final comment that I, you know I, I think I got from you know one of the listeners that you allow customers to do what they do best, you know, which is being a contractor and drying buildings, and uh, you provide a professional service of getting them paid what they deserve. So uh, it seems to be a win-win-win all the way around. Yeah, we've got some nice comments from a local consultant from your area there, Gil, that he's worked with uh, several of the people who are on your program, and they're great great contractors, but not necessarily always the best businessmen, and that uh, your program has helped them tremendously, and that's I think that's a great testimonial for what you're doing here. Well, thank you. That's great to hear, guys. Gil, before we go, Cliff? No, I was going to say, well, we just, you know, the closing question. I always like to make sure before we uh, wrap things up that you have an opportunity to add anything that we've missed, or if you want to, um, you know, one more time tell people how to get a hold of you personally, or at least to get the website for net claims now. I do, and I, I want to kind of wrap it up by saying this, you know, and, and being because I'm still very involved in the restoration industry, you know, I, nowadays, you know, it's about, you know, not so much who has the biggest phone book ad, because now it's about Google campaigns and how often you appear and, at the end of the day, you know, it seems like the restoration uh, industry and the owners of the restoration companies are willing to spend money to get more work. But the reality of it is, is that just pay attention to your surroundings. And with partnering with our company, we're just going to show you how to make more money on the claims that you already have. And with that being said, you can contact us at claimsnow.com. And just pick up the phone and call. You have questions, you know, we're going to have your answers for you, and we would love to get you involved with our company and help you guys to make more money. Gil, and I want to thank, thank you guys for having me on the air today. It's been our pleasure. Uh, we, we look forward to the show. I learned a little bit about, uh, a little more about the disaster restoration world every week. Cliff and I will continue the discussion after the show. But uh, first, I want to make sure I thank Gil Lahamadou for joining us today, the founder and CEO of Net Claims Now. I, of course, want to thank our technical director, Dr. Dietrich Wow, for joining us as always. Um, of course, our our engineer at the controls, Austin Stone Cold Novak, our my co-host and friend, Cliff Slotnick, uh, always a pleasure, and of course, our growing group of loyal listeners. Please come back and join us again next week. For Actually, in two weeks, we'll be back on the 15th of July for the next edition of Take a Couple Weeks Off for the Holidays, guys and girls. Take a couple off, and we'll see you back July 15th for the next edition of 
IAQ Radio. Thank you.